Hello, welcome to another Azure centric podcast on our show on the Azure Weekly News. Uh, I hope that you guys are okay with all the things that are happening on the east side of North America. Um, you experience a little bit what we Canadians have as, as granted, that is a little bit of snow and um, cold. But um, I hope that everyone is okay. My good friends down in Texas, um, I hope that you can uh, stay safe uh, and stay warm in this case. Um, and I'm really hoping that everyone is, is fine. Uh, first of all, uh, I want to thank you that if you are the first time that you listen uh, to the podcast, welcome. Uh, if you are already um, a whole timer, uh, thank you as well. Um, don't forget <laughs> to uh, subscribe the channel to help us out. We've been tremendous happy with the effort that everyone is doing regarding that uh, the feedback is so great that we this week decided to not shooting this on the night and shooting back on the day again uh, because it was very productive and <laughs> at least for us regarding the flow of, of everything although in Azure this weekend or this week especially I think it was on Wednesday it's oh my god they decided to unleash the hell in this case regarding um updates so it's it's a very busy week we had to cut down a lot of good all of those good things so once again go visit the blog uh, go visit the azure updates to see everything that we miss we had about 30 right and we had oh there was something like that yeah we cut a good 10 or something like that absolutely. out of the, out the articles that we'll chat about today yeah, yeah. some of them were more on, on the dev side than me and andrew we are not the dev folks uh we have some experience on that but we are not the dev a uh, dev guys so uh, we try to keep and again the idea of this podcast is to bring our experiences from the field regarding those updates and what that can be um, if beneficial for you that you are listening regarding the updates and all our experience and how we see those updates regarding our experience as well. Um, the idea over here is to record this conversation. Uh, we have a lot of fun if, you, if this is the first time you're seeing um, and uh, let's keep moving. Uh, so Andrew, once again, we are we are recording this conversation during the day, so I I have no expectations and the greatest thing. <laughs> yes, silly things will probably be said. That's uh, one thing we can be sure of. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was a it was a really busy week for Azure News. There was a few things that I've actually been waiting for for one of my clients. Yeah. Uh, now coming into preview, so I'm excited to talk about that with you today. Yeah. And uh, like you said, there was actually quite a few kind of DevOps and DevOps on the blogs this week. So um, I just want to kind of maybe reiterate, uh, really important, if you're looking for information around Dev and DevOps, please go visit the, visit the Azure blog and the Azure Updates blog. Absolutely. Um, that's Absolutely. what we use as our source for this podcast in this case. 
And uh, we definitely encourage everybody uh, watching and listening, go check it out, read along as we chat, um, call us on our baloney and, uh, you know, put some comments in the chat and let us know if we get something wrong, we want to know about it. If we get something right and it helps you out, send us something too. let us know that we actually saved you some time or helped one of your clients. We'd love yeah. to hear that. I love hearing about those positive stories because, uh, you know, like I always say, if we can help just one person, just one person, then uh, all of this is worth it. Absolutely. And, uh, it's just a lot of fun. But yes, so I said not uh, prattle on and on here today. So uh, as <laughs> I hold okay. my nice hot coffee here and I'm, uh, I was thinking about what you said and um, one, of my, one of my clients right now, they have um, a lot of offices in the southern uh, US and on the eastern seaboard across uh, North America. And um, they're, uh, they're really hurting a lot of people. So uh, if you're not hurting, I know Red Cross in the US has um, a, a fund going, you can contribute to that and they can help all of the people that are, you know, have, can't stay yeah. in their home. Uh, because maybe there's flooding, they're not, uh, you know, a lot of the houses aren't insulated uh, exactly. in the southern U.S. They have an air conditioner to help with the heat, but many people don't have a furnace or anything to create heat. And so, not only that, a lot of things that, that that we saw, not to spend too much time on that, was like, they don't, they don't are prepared, like we are not prepared when we are, when we have like above 30 centigrade, 30, uh, 30, Celsius, right? Uh, yeah. We are not. Oh, our houses are I'm, not I'm prepared. And turn into a, a useless puddle on the couch. I can't do anything over thirty. Completely, yeah. because our houses are not prepared for that. In this case, a lot of those news. It's it's not only in Texas. Uh, our good friends in north of, of Europe, like in England, and even in in, although in Netherlands it's it's common to have snow, but not that amount of snow. Our friends in... Yeah, not as much as they got. <laughs> exactly. Our friends in the North Pacific, in this case Seattle, have an insane mm -hmm. amount of snow as well. Uh, I saw yeah. some video this morning, some guy doing ski on the Pike Market. <laughs> that was funny one. Um, to, to see it. <laughs> I haven't seen that. I'm going to go and look for that. Look for that because <laughs> it's incredible. The guy just going... On the central of down, in this case, I think it's downtown Seattle. At least for me, it's downtown Seattle, uh, where is the Pike Market is. And the guy was coming down the hill, all right, on a ski, just going there and using and be happy and enjoying and says, yeah, it's not very common. <laughs> so apparently, our our love of Canada is going down of the south, saying, hey. Hey, my it is hey, yeah, neighbors. the love stops at the border. I think though they don't like the snow quite as much <laughs> in the south. <laughs> yes, yes, I have to say. So, but I mean, as much as we joke, and I know I don't want to dwell uh, on it uh, in this case with our podcast, yeah, but um, I think it's important. You know, we have to help each other. We need to be kind. Um, these are difficult times for everybody for so many reasons. Um, so, with this, it's easy. You can, if you can help out with somebody, then certainly help out. Um, Absolutely. But it's a it's a it's a wacky weather thing, and uh, I really hope I I heard on the radio it was going to pass fairly quickly in the next few days. Uh, it was going to warm up again and kind of be more normal for them. So just anger, uh, just yes. anger, anger, and and be be safe. That's the only thing we ask. So let's start. Exactly. 
let's start uh, standard load balancer and IP address metadata now available through Azure instance metadata service oh my god I was able to see this without even I, I'm proud of myself I starting on the right foot. <laughs> you did really well on the first one it was kind of a tongue twister absolutely. right absolutely so what does that mean after <laughs> so, this? <laughs> so this, is a, this is a good thing now, right? Because, um, you know, what, what's this going to do for us really, right? So the, you know, as you know, there is the basic and the standard um, when we think about load balancing, right? And uh, now saying on the, the standard load balancer, which is the more advanced one, you have some more options and features available um, that you can have uh, a public or private uh, IP address of the VM instance, in, yeah. uh, for example, for your back end, uh, right? So your front end IP address of the Azure standard load balancer uh, can, it will sit in front and then uh, you can, you know, for if some reason you have a public IP on the VM, uh, before it had to be a private IP address on the inside for the uh, the the backend pool, right? Yeah. Now you can also have a public IP in your backend pool. Um, certainly, there's a little bit more to it. Is there anything that uh, you wanted to kind of call out on this one? I just want to mention one thing that probably it's new. Um, that is this Asha, not new to us, but new to to you that you will listen. Um, uh, that is the is Azure Instance Metadata Service. This service, okay, mm -hmm. just to go back a little bit, is, is the service that is re responsible for providing information about the currently running virtual machine instances, okay? So basically what it does is uh, you can use it, you can use the IMDS uh, service to manage and configure your virtual machines. Uh, so for example, you have information like SKU, storage, network configuration, uh, upcoming uh, maintenance events, so on and so forth, right? In this particular case, okay, I'm the, uh, uh, IMDS is nothing more than a REST API that is available mm -hmm. and is well known. Although it's a non-routable IP, so it's one of those classes like 169, 254 kind of IP, so the uh, a PIP IP. Yeah. yeah, the IP, the non-rootable, that they can only access within the VM. In this case, the communication between the VM and and and, and IMDS never leaves the host, and that's the reason, okay? So if you have HTTP clients that they are connecting, you can bypassing the proxy of those VMs when you're querying those by going to, the, to that public IP, or not, sorry, to that PIPA IP, okay, on the same way that you're doing for the other IPs, for example. And this is the part that is important to mention over here, because now you can access that IP address that uh, uh, Andrew mentioned through the IMDS, okay? Just to give a little bit more context what we're talking about, because um, I know that this is awesome for us that we know, but... Um, I just want, I was reading into this and I say, okay, probably should clarify what IMDS does. So now it's a little bit more uh, clear what this update is going to affect in everyone. Like you mentioned, you are able to do this, the IPs, 
and all of that. But the way that this works is this is going through this service that is nothing more than a REST API. Okay, uh, and that's the part that we gain information from. Yeah, exactly. So it's important to um, kind of note uh, one of those, you know, little differences, but it's a key one. So when you're working in the world of load balancers and even application gateways, which is really just a layer seven load balancer, right? So um, what we have is the basic and the standard SKU. And when you start off with the basic, you're really, um, I think of it as the bite mm -hmm. size, right? So uh, basic is like the bite size skew. You're starting off with the first bite. You're getting to use the features, seeing what works. When you're ready, you move to the standard skew for those kinds of things. Or if you have a feature such as IMDS targeting that you're going to be using, um, you will then use the standard skew. But you can go up uh, without um, full reprovisioning of everything, right? but it's very hard to come down. So you have to uh, remove that service and then fully reprovision and reprogram everything. So you have to do all that configuration, add your backend pool, your front end IP, all the things. So you need to do all of the things with those. Um, if you're coming down a SKU, um, and of course people will come down a SKU when uh, they aren't using features and they realize that they can right size it and uh, save a little bit of money by coming Absolutely. down to the feature set. So just a, a, just kind of the difference there. Um, it doesn't always make sense and a bit newer to Azure. Um, when we talk about basic versus standard, there's also premium as a tier that they talk about for different things too. So that's, it's kind of the, like the, the level one, two, and three of Azure for uh, SKU and feature availability, right? So yeah, followed by uh, I just wanted case. to lay the groundwork because today, uh, oddly, we have something from every tier that we'll talk about. <laughs> so. Yeah, and that and that's, I'm starting to see this, that now that we are doing all of this weekly podcast, I'm starting to see like a kind of, uh, most a team. I think I'm going to change the, I'm going to change the, the 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 name of uh, or at least the episode the setting of numbers to more of the team because last week was about Azure government in this case this one yeah, is Azure more like TV. Azure networking that we're gonna talk and we have a lot of things coming uh, coming new um, that is mainly the topic like you mentioned um, it's mainly Azure networking that has been released this week. Uh, and that's that's at least for this on this podcast, right? Uh, that we go. It, yeah, it's very interesting to watch, right? So you know, I, I've been learning right alongside you with these things, and um, it's really interesting because it's the cadence of updates from Microsoft, and they seem to have these uh, kind of push in a certain pattern. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want Microsoft to chase us down if we uh, blow their cover on the pattern, so. Maybe we shouldn't rename the podcast quite yet. Not to rename the podcast, <laughs> rename the title of that episode that we are talking about. Uh, it's something... I like, the, I like yeah, the idea. Yeah, I like the idea. Put it in the title, yeah. yeah. So because, don't um, forget you know, one like thing. If you like that idea, if you like the idea or if you have a bad idea, just sub uh, not subscribe, but uh, leave a comment below. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I had to press, I only pressed once this button, so... 
twice. It's good. I think it's a good average. I don't know what it is about that little logo. It, it bounces on the screen, and I see it in that like the little square. Yeah. And uh, I just I'm compelled to bounce <laughs> along with it. I, I can't help it. So it's the daylight. I'm gonna yeah. blame the daylight. Yeah. Okay. Let's <laughs> let's move on. Next one is Azure Role Based Access Control. To our friend Arbeck for Azure Key mm -hmm. Vault. Data plane authorization, it's now in GA. Uh, that's one of the excitements about this because I was doing a, um, a workshop this week um, about mm -hmm. the foundations and about the what I call the operational governance and rollbacks and role-based access control and all of that. And then I realized that now the Azure Key Vault is is basically with that uh, on a data plane, right? Uh, so achieve a unified management and access control across Azure resources is absolutely a must. It's both thumbs up. Thank you, Microsoft, for making this as a GA. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So RBAC is such a huge thing. And, uh, you know, over many years, we see uh, all of our clients and different organizations and even, you know, other people we work with, their clients, uh, everybody really struggles with roles. <clears throat> yeah, it's a very complex thing. And typically, it's hard to take a, a, a existing environment that has, um, you know, just kind of mishmash, I want to call it, right? Oh, it is. Uh, everybody just has kind of done everything through security groups, and it's from an organizational standpoint, it is messy and it's complicated, and it you always require someone with in-house knowledge to do provisioning and deprovisioning and change uh, security rights and roles for people. And God help you if you try to advance in that company, and that poor person changes. Now uh, everybody's going to start to have troubles with that because it's all very uh, internal. So RBAC is the answer for that, right? Because it now becomes roles. So you can have tiered administrators. You can have different levels. You like everything becomes very highly organized and portable. Yeah. And when it when it's like that, it's easy for us to come uh, reach back, like you were talking, with good governance policies and actually validate. Yeah. Hey, everyone is doing what they're supposed to. They're following the rules. But wait, look at this magic security group out here. What are these admins doing over here with their own security group? It should be in the rules. So you can fix those things and stop that weird security group sprawl from happening. Absolutely. And uh, this is a really good example. I know I, I get excited about these weird things. I apologize. <laughs> but but uh, I think this one is really great because uh, with the key vault, now you're talking about uh, keys to the kingdom, so to speak, really, yeah. literally, yeah. it has the keys. So um, whether you're doing the dev side of this and you're calling the keys, getting authorizations, but if you're an admin, please, you should be using Key Vault for your stored credentials in your PowerShell scripts and things like that. You should be calling to Key Vault, getting the authorizations and like doing all of the good things, all those best practices. Um, this is going to make it a lot easier. Absolutely. So I'm done. And, and it's uh, not only that. <laughs> now that you mentioned, it's it's good to going on on on, on implementation on on the best practice. 
for either individual keys, cert, um, secrets, or certificates, right? So, mm -hmm. for the love of God, okay, and and this is I'm I'm not on my knees because then I will off camera, um, and off mic, <laughs> but the recommendation is to use the vault per application per environment. So if you have, for example, yes. dev, uh, pre-prod or tests and production, use one vault per application, per um, per environment, because then you are secure. Because then you can assign those rollbacks, like like Andrew mentioned, right, um, on those vaults per environment per application. Although exactly, it becomes a lot, a lot easier to manage. Exactly, yeah. and 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 those applications should not have the same password or the same secrets or the same keys, right? No, should be totally not. different. Yeah. So we shouldn't be reusing credentials exactly. for different systems. Yeah. Uh, any system, whether it be software, uh, something we're writing internally, even a testing uh, stage internally, when yeah. we're trying to figure out if our new code does actually work, okay. use a different credential because if one becomes compromised then everything is compromised. Exactly. And we've actually, we have actually seen that happen at uh, a couple of uh, spots over the years where, <laughs> excuse me, where a compromise does happen. And uh, because there were shared credentials in use across that organization, yeah. it led to a full compromise. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, that there's different levels. There's different things that that can mean. And we're being very specifically here no completely <laughs> and if, even if you use but, individual uh, keys and secrets or even certificates um on a multi-layer application for example separate the access uh on those to control exactly. between the layers even if you have a, a web layer and a database layer for example separate that access separate those those ones even sharing like like you're saying individual secrets between multi-applications Try to uh, separate those those controls. And again, I think we mentioned a couple of episodes ago, or if it's not the last episode, that one of the things that they enable on the Azure Key Vault is the, is the possibility of calling just one time and you can even um, re, uh, regenerate those keys automatically and you are always yeah. calling the last one. That's right. I think that was last week last we actually week. So, uh, covered that where there was auto generation of keys and that uh, will increase security, you know, so huge and you can, it's automated, right? Yeah. So, you know, once you have it set up, um, now you're cooking with gas, you can just keep on going. Absolutely. So uh, I want to drive into this next one because I got excited about it when I saw it. Please. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So Azure Firewall Premium now in preview. So uh, this is public preview. I have to finished. say, sorry, public preview. Public preview. Yep, yep. So uh, we're actually referencing two different articles on our screens. I have the one from Azure Blog, and you are using Azure Updates Blog. So yours gives you the separation of public and private preview. Mine just says preview. Okay. <laughs> so. Non-standard uh, article publishing, uh, Microsoft. Um, just FYI. <laughs> if you're looking at this, really hard on if you're looking at this, this, this is some kind of thing that you can update on, 
and 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 you are welcome. Absolutely. Yeah, we can we can update on the updates, right? Uh oh, we're getting nested here. <laughs> it's what's called hey, nested virtualization. We uh, now we're talking about nested logic. Oh uh, my This God. is going to go downhill really quickly. Exactly. Let's stop that way. <laughs> so, uh, Azure Firewall Premium. Um, preview aside, do not deploy in prod. This will be one of those ones I'm like 99% sure is going to require a redeploy because they're going to need to work out some things and then redeploy things. So uh, just a little quick FYI on our usual speech about please, for the love of Pete, do not deploy preview anythings in your prod environments. Totally not best practice. Best practice is GA only in prod. Uh, test it, use it in your non-prod environments all you want. We really encourage you, test it out, try it out, uh, give feedback. And uh, usually in these uh, longer articles with uh, preview things, they usually do have an email, a form, or a link of some flavor that you can use to make providing your feedback super easy. Uh, because the product teams actually do. Um, and, you know, I was surprised uh, many years ago to learn this, but a company as large as Microsoft, they, they do a very good job of breaking things down into product teams. And you can actually provide usable feedback that they will action. No matter how small of a company or person you are, a one-off organization, it doesn't matter. You can provide your feedback and they read it and listen. So long story short, uh, Azure Firewall Premium, really, really cool. So this is going to allow some cool things. So uh, in the context of using uh, Azure Firewall Premium SKU with uh, VWAN and Secure Hub, which the deployment of Azure Firewall makes a uh, VHub a then Secure Hub, um, then now you can use Azure Firewall Premium SKU to forward to another NVA of another flavor. So if you want to use like FortiGate or something like that, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just not Azure Firewall. So if you have a requirement within your organization to use a specific kind of NVA appliance for your firewalls, then now you're going to have the ability to, ability to do that through Secure Hub. <clears throat> but it will only be in your testing environment today because it is for uh, a preview Absolutely. right now. So there's a ton of other features that come with this, but that is the one that I have been uh, just jumping up and down in my chair about for about a half an hour here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for letting me get that off my chest. <laughs> You're very welcome. It's not it's not only that. And, and you mentioned there is a lot of good things about this Azure Firewall Premium. Uh, the part that I, I like is the part, the IDPS, the intrusion detection mm -hmm. and prevention system. So yes, provides absolutely. in this case, the way that you can wrap the rapid detection uh, of attacks. Uh, and that, yeah. well, the, the part that I like this is going to a path that we are very passionate about it. That is the Azure, mm -hmm. uh, what now it's rebranded as Azure Defender ATP, right? That is attaching directly yeah. to this. So now we're starting to see that the cybersecurity uh, division of Microsoft now is, is going on a path that it will make our infrastructure way more resilient against these attacks, right? And way more yeah. prepared well, for that. 
Exactly. So one of the challenges that um, I've had with the standard SKU for Azure Firewall has been that it's a great firewall, but it's missing a lot of the next generation firewall features. Absolutely. So uh, everybody talks about next gen firewalls and yada, yada, yada. But what does it mean? Well, it's the layer seven filtering and the TLS inspections and uh, a lot of those uh, different advanced features that makes it next gen, right? So um, I talked about um, being able to just forward traffic and route it through a third party NVA, a network virtual appliance. And that's a really critical thing because a lot of companies that you and I work with, like uh, government entities, um, power companies, larger uh, organizations, financial institutions, Healthcare. they have strict rules and they have uh, very big security departments that, uh, how can I say this uh, politically correct? They're freaking on top of everything. Like if you think that you're going to try this thing in the environment, but you don't have all of the changes approved, those guys know about it within seconds and they phone you. So uh, yeah, from experience a few years ago when I uh, skirted a change process, and uh, I think you were with me on that project actually. And uh, they did phone me and ask me why I was deploying it because it was still deploying uh, in Azure. Uh, well, anyways, long story short, I learned a lesson about wait for the actual approval, not just the uh, change committee that says, yes, we're going to approve it. You have to wait for the signature on the paper. <laughs> so, exactly. Long story short, I'm much better now. But uh, all of these next-gen features are uh, huge. They're cool for modern security. And uh, in my personal view, um, I really think this is going to take Azure Firewall to the next level. So we're going to start to see uh, companies, it's going to take some time, you know, maybe six months to a year, but they'll start to adopt Azure Firewall and Azure Native Service as a compatible and top tier product when it comes to firewalling and security. So uh, that's absolutely huge for us because it means, you know, less slowdowns, bottlenecks, less complexities, all those things. I'm not getting a sales commission here. I'm just excited about it. <laughs> I just have to say one thing is I did participate on this on, on the MVP program. Um, and if you are excited now, just wait a little bit longer and then you will see what's coming. <laughs> I, it's the only Someday. thing I you will. It's the only thing I will have to say because I did participate in this. I knew that the war is going to be released because we are informed this before, as you can imagine. But under the NDA, we cannot disclose this, even with friends. Of course. So if if the MVPs uh, awards uh, are listened to out our podcast, I respect the NDA, so uh, I have no problem with that. Um, but. Uh, it's really exciting moments for it's in my opinion it was long due um it it is yeah it's azure firewall has been a premium product for a long time it operates so well it was at the uh, beginning i have to say i have features i have to say that the beginning was a very good product although all of the other players with their appliances and all of that they did a pretty amazing job and this is where this fire this service that is azure service right a native azure service right it was in somehow left behind because 
some of the people and some of the organization already have this implemented. So they have their Cisco, the Palo Altos, the FortiGate, the FortiNet, all of that been deploying and they are extending to the to the to the cloud. What makes sense? Because then they have their teams with already knowledge and this is a totally new tool. Although if yeah. you are an organization exactly. that you are starting new, okay, and I think that this Azure Firewall is where is their place is this, okay? Or if you want, because the best practice says that you should you should have multiple vendors of firewall, okay? Because of all of the things that they are doing. What this does that probably the other ones they are not doing is they are start we are starting to see the attachments of the firewall with this with the Defender ATP that is a, for me a top elite service that Microsoft have with the be able oh, yeah. to do yeah. it the zero oh, we're trust both really passionate about oh my uh, god defender that's for the, sure the, there's, well there's so much to it it's a very deep product yeah. right it's a very deep product that you can do it on the security side marvelous with that i highly recommend doing that but we already passed the time of this uh, we have way more things to talk about it uh, i i'm sorry okay. to interrupt. There's, a, there's a couple quick ones right yeah so um, I think, you know, we can make up some time on here. It's okay, everybody. Don't, uh, don't panic. Excited. Don't panic. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think, uh, uh, let's see here. What's up next here? Automatic Azure VM extension upgrade. Yep. Yeah. Capability is now in public preview. So another preview. This is, we have extension in this case on your, on your VMs, on our uh, Azure VMs. And it's like, um, it's really uh, to see the automatic uh, extensions on the VMs and scale sets that you can have. So when you apply, in this case, on the VM scale set, uh, no more than 20% of the VMs will be upgraded in a single batch. So a lot of those things, it's it's regarding this. Upgrades will be applied, uh, reapply on the on the viability first deployment model so if there is availability on that they will be uh, upgraded on that and is automatically doing that so it's good to know that all of these extensions for the azure vms is going to be automatically when they are publishing this um so like for example iops like for example the parts that you are doing if they are updating those they you will see those automatically updating on the first on the first available deployment okay that's i think it's it's about it um we if we're going to deep on this we're probably going going to um to spend too much time on this uh defining all of that and i think uh it's it's a good update again it's in public preview okay so exactly means yeah. that even if you apply or even if you have those extensions you will see as a public as, as a preview okay uh, you probably need to redeploy those extensions okay and they are not automatically when they become ga that's the only exactly. caption that i want to make regarding this update right yeah, it is a manual redeploy uh, when something moves from uh, preview to GA when it's required. It's not always required, but uh, again, 
Uh, one of the things I think I talked about a few weeks ago was on preview items, um, organizations really should understand, administrators in Azure should understand that uh, a preview product has no SLA. None. Exactly. So if it goes it's down best or it doesn't do the thing that it was supposed to do, nobody cares no, because it's in preview. It's, You're supposed to be testing it, not It's not using nobody it cares. Okay, it's not nobody cares. You still well, no, in no, some cases yeah, you have you know support, I mean. it's, it's, but it's the best. No SLA. Yeah, yeah. When you yeah, when you talk to support, they're going to say, well, it's in uh, a, a prod environment, and you have a product that you're using from preview, so we can't really help you a whole lot with that. Yeah. Uh, what you can do, however, is provide your feedback. It doesn't do the thing it was supposed to do. So, mean, um, in this so, case, means that we cannot open a crit a crit set a crit set A or something like that is on the best effort. So Microsoft will help exactly. you, but there is no SLA. If they take weeks or months to solve that, uh, or even if they mess if they message saying, uh, it's in preview, we will address this when it becomes GA, be prepared for that. That's the part that we want exactly. to say. It's not, it's not like exactly. no one cares. It's uh, uh, well, no, that's not. Uh, yeah, I just want to reinforce literally. that <laughs> because this is going to be public and and everyone going to listen to this, and we don't want to be accountable for those kind of things. Uh, that's why we are doing okay. this in let me, double. Let me issue my statement of correction immediately then. <laughs> Thank you, Marcos, for pointing You're it very out. Well. I did miss I learned today. with you, Microsoft my friend. Microsoft does very deeply care about all of the products and services that they offer to their customers. <laughs> we know this because we are customers. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Let's move Moving on. Moving on, Bob. There, uh, Bob. Let's this go. is a very quick one. This is a very quick one. Uh, it's related to the to the um, uh, last week podcast or last week uh, episode. That is the U.S. government, Virginia, in this case the region, uh, have availability zones in GA. So means yeah. that the U.S. Uh, government, okay, the Azure for U.S. government now on the Virginia, right, on the Virginia region, have three unique mm -hmm. physical locations. So on this region, they will have now the possibility of using availability zones, okay, instead, of, for example, of availability sets, because now they have three different data centers. Again, exactly. to just reinforce what's the difference between availability zone and a region, is a region, you have... Uh, a, com a combination of one, at least one at the center, two up to three, okay? What makes those, what, what makes those at the centers within the same region is the latency, okay? So if the latency is sub five milliseconds, they belong to the same region. If it's above that, then you have another region. Hence, what we, in this case, talk about last uh, last episode of US East 1, US yep. East 2, yep. and now the development of the US East 3, okay? So exactly. those huge, huge, huge area, huge data centers on that side of, of North America, in this case in US, on the East, east one. Um, and, this, and this is just to explain that part. And I think... Uh, I think that that is just a good thing that uh, 
our friends on US government, they will use uh, way more this Virginia region uh, because now they have availability zones, right? And it's basically where the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is where the central government is, right? It's close to Washington, D.C. You have all of that, uh, the Secret Services, NSA, and whatever it is around that area, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Virginia is pretty big. I think they have FBI headquarters or something like that. Langley, there, or right? at least Some, a big office. Yeah. And I know I remember many years ago uh, with my family, we stayed in Virginia Beach. Uh, and uh, there was, you know, back in the old days when you were allowed to travel. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and, exactly. And uh, I remember all the jets uh, flying over for the, the military base that was nearby there. I think there's a big naval base there as well in Virginia Beach. Okay. So uh, Virginia, Virginia Beach, I know it's two different uh, cities for sure, but um, I get it. Uh, it's a big, big thing. And, um, you know, the government regions are really growing. Um, last week we had quite a few updates. Massive. With, it was um, massive. Yeah. On Azure government yeah, side of it, jokes. massive. Yeah. Moving to the next one. Log uh, replace service on Azure SQL Manage instance is now in public preview. So a lot of previews this mm. week. Uh, and what it means, it's good. They are developing all of this. And now we have log replace service for Azure SQL Manage instance. Right? Pretty cool. Yeah. So one of the things uh, I did uh, read uh, down a little bit in here, if you uh, click the first link in that article, you actually get uh, a really great detailed Microsoft doc on uh, migrating databases from SQL Server to SQL Managed Instance mm -hmm. using Log Replay Service. And uh, that's where this one's kind of going to, right? So like uh, cases when you would use the more control over your database migration project, or if there is a very low tolerance, uh, extremely low tolerance for any downtime on migration cutover. Um, and there's definitely other things that contribute to that, but uh, this is uh, one of those services I think that I'm actually going to be uh, using in my testing tenant um, so that I can uh, get a better uh, kind of a hands-on experience with it. So I have not tested this one yet, um, but I am looking forward yeah. to doing that. <laughs> Something in my spare time what, this week later on. I, absolutely. What I like about this log replace service is, and you mentioned this correctly on, on the migration, is we have a service called Azure Database Migration Service, right? That is great. But a lot of, a lot of times it's, it's not applicable, okay? And you cannot be used uh, in a lot of databases. That's where, in this case, I see the value of this log replace service, okay, uh, coming into. So in case that Azure DMS, the Azure, database, uh, Azure migration service cannot be used, log replace service can be used directly with our favorite tools, PowerShell, CLI, and even through an API to manual build and orchestrate the database migration to a SQL manage instance and this is where we are starting to see that now there is no excuse of migrating the data, data database to the sql manage instance because first and foremost you should use the 
database migration service. You have a lot of capabilities that this log replace service doesn't do that, okay? Um, and that is something that I need to cut it out over here to say it. Uh, but if that is not applicable or if it's not possible, you can still use the log replace service to migrate. It's going to be a different process. It's going to be, but you have another process that you can migrate those databases. And I think that is pretty awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of flexibility that we're seeing in um, the migration tools. And uh, I think, you know, just like every other area, they're really trying to keep pace Absolutely. and enable customers that are in the small and medium space, but also in the enterprise space. They're very large. So they want to uh, offer tools that can scale with all of the different usage levels. And it's not always as easy as it just sounds to say it, right? Um, sometimes these databases can be petabytes in size and, uh, you know, they have to account for how to manage that and how you, you know, how do you take a large, like say a two petabyte database and just do a cutover low downtime? Uh, because typically we would shut it down. You call an outage window, you're shutting down and then you're migrating files. And if you're uploading two petabytes of log files, oh man, you better have like a really good fiber optic connection out of your data center because that's going to take a while. There are other <laughs> services that they can do that. Uh, yeah, there are other yeah, services that you can do. access services. There's yeah, there's different ways to do it. Yeah. But um, what, I'm, what I'm loving is how many options we're getting to Absolutely. be able to get our data from kind of everywhere else into Azure and with really low downtime for the migration cutovers. That's huge. Absolutely. Um, we've done we've done a couple in our time of uh, migrations to Azure, that is. And um, one of the things we always have to really work through is how do we bring down that downtime to near, near zero, like as much as possible. We have to drive that down, Absolutely. right? Because customers don't want to call outages no. anymore. No. Um, it used to be you could say Saturday, Sunday was, uh, well, yeah, you know, everybody goes home from the office. Nobody's logged into the sales system. Yeah. That is just not true anymore. It's 20. It really is 24 seven now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, long story short, it's a very flexible service and, uh, I can't wait to get hands on with that yeah, one. Actually, yeah. it's going to be really cool. It's really cool. Moving to the next one, additional IOPS feature for MySQL on the flexible server in preview. Uh, so pretty awesome to see that even not only SQL, but MySQL have some increasing of additional IOPS regarding this. And this is pretty awesome to see it, right? Yeah, it's really cool. Um, you know, the, the you can use uh, MySQL is supported on a lot of different uh, VM SKUs. There's the B, there's the D2, uh, well, just the D series, really. And certainly the uh, memory optimized E series servers, right? So uh, there's a lot of options. And when you do, uh, when you take advantage rather of the uh, increased IOPS that are complementary, um, it can, at the highest level, it takes it up to 20,000 uh, IOPS, wow. right? So um, pretty. Pretty good throughput on the E-series on the higher end ones. 
And uh, yeah, there's a lot like, uh, you know, like we were saying, right? It's uh, there. Microsoft is making a lot of efforts to keep everything very scalable for large and small. Uh, and this is one of those steps, right? So quite often we'll use a MySQL database in smaller companies for a specific purpose in larger companies. And there can be a lot of data throughput sometimes in these systems. So 20,000 yeah. IOPS, not too shabby, right? I'd take that on the old home lab. Absolutely. And talking about performance, <laughs> uh, what about this new update of the new disk bursting metrics? So talking about performance, it's 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 awesome uh, that now we have uh, that is in GA now available the new disk bursting metrics. So Azure Monitor allows you to gain insight uh, on your resources that they are deploying on running your Azure Monitor. Uh, pretty good uh, to see that now we can have near near real time performance indicators with all That's of right. this. So, yeah, so when we talk about bursting metrics, we're talking about premium SSD tier, right? Yeah. And uh, this is in specific, uh, this article specifically is talking about uh, Azure Monitor and you will actually see in near real time the bursting that happens from your disks if they are premium SSDs. So uh, a couple of, kind of requirements to actually uh, see what this one is all about. But uh, it's actually really cool. Azure Monitor, again, uh, really evolving um, quite rapidly. And uh, I know I've, you and I both have been doing a lot of uh, integration into log analytics and things, collecting all of the data. And it's easy to connect everything. Uh, but Azure Monitor does a really good job of pulling data out and making it usable for monitoring and metrics, uh, which includes, in my mind, at least reporting. So uh, I, I really look forward to uh, you know being able to actually call out and see uh, a separate report for bursting metrics. That's going to be kind of interesting. Absolutely, absolutely. Moving on to the next one. Cross-region restore on Azure VMs. It's now GA. And oh my God. Thank you. Goodness. Thank this you. one's been waiting in the wings for like what five years or something like everybody has wanted this since the beginning of ever having to do a restore yeah <laughs> and this is massively yeah. this is massively because the possibility of this is it just goes behind of what we're expecting because now I can create um, I can have for example, um, a place or, 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 or not a place, a, a recovery service vault, okay, on the geo redundancy. So means that I still have ability ability to just restore that VM on the same region. But uh, if anything happens, I can restore that on a different region. Or I can use this exactly. to uh, be able to restore anything on a different region that is not connected to anything or whatever it is to be able to do this. So it's it exactly. makes you can now restore into a test exactly. environment in a different region. Yeah, and that's that's massive, massive, massive. So this means that DR testing can now move up another yeah. level in Azure. 
So you can actually, you know, make those DR plans a reality. Um, this is a this is such a big big deal. We just because uh, we could we can't stress that enough. we couldn't because we can only do this with ASR the Azure Site Recovery. So you need to do exactly. the Azure backup. Look at this. At at before this day, right? We could do the only way to achieve this. You need to do Azure backup. Okay. So and that is your BCD BC the business continuity uh, in this case uh, plan. You're doing the backups that you need exactly. to do it no matter what, because ASR it's not a backup tool. First of all, and I, I and I just want to say this on uh, over here on the podcast because it's not a backup tool, um, it's a disaster recovery tool. So you need to doing this. Even ASR was only able to do another region. Right now, a few a few months ago, right now you can do on the same region, which is good. Okay, because now we don't have to handle all of the uh, networking and migrating services and doing all of that, right? Uh, uh, that you have to do it across regions. But this was the impossible of not able to restore this on a different region. It was locking down the part of if I want to restore exactly on the same way, um, I can restore. I can test it, I can do it, and it's on the same environment. I don't need to do like a planet failover uh, on, or in this case, a test failover with Azure Site Recovery, not a plan failover, a test failover, to just be able to do that across different uh, different uh, regions. It's massively. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited like you are when talking about Azure Firewall Premium. It's for me, this is, my highlight of this podcast. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's, this is a huge deal. Um, you know, I, I don't deal with a lot of uh, VM infrastructure uh, right now with the, the clients that I'm working with. So I'm, I'm just not jumping up and down, but uh, this is really, really impactful. Uh, we've been waiting for this for a long, long time and it's massive. So like you were saying, there is some differences. So Azure Backup is one tool, ASR is another tool. We use them for different reasons, um, but it's important that we combine services and we, you know, the same as security, right? We have to layer our strategies to achieve all of our goals. Yeah. So business continuity and disaster recovery, everybody says it as one thing, but it isn't. It's two different things, right? They are combined. And, they uh, are they, this... they complement each other, but they are literally to do exactly. two different things. Exactly. Yes, they go hand in hand, but they're, they walk beside each exactly. other, right? So however we want to say it, um, nonetheless, Azure Backup restoring to a new region. Oh my God, thank you. Thank you so much, Microsoft. This is massive. Absolutely. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised they didn't do a bit more of a fanfare for this one, that they just snuck it in with all those Wednesday <laughs> in the middle of the sandwich, really. Right? Yeah. But it, it, in this is the thing. This is what I love about doing this podcast with you, because we call out these little hidden gems, I guess maybe we can absolutely, call it. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Moving on to the next one. And this is one that is in development. Azure NetApp files, the volume hardcoded change. So they are starting. This is not even on product, even on public preview. This is in development. They are Just working. Developed. 
we are working they are working with NetApp to just increase the capacity pool and automatically grow mechanism so this is in development they are just announcing this they are expecting this um, starting on March uh, 15 in this case 2021 you will see some some uh, manage uh, performance as well some provision capacity regarding Azure NetApp files. Exactly, yeah. And that's, uh, it's kind of a cool one because uh, I love when they have these development updates because we can kind of uh, see uh, what's coming in the future. So we can incorporate this into different architectures or when we're talking with clients, hey, we saw this on Azure updates and uh, we, you know, we can't do it today, but let's plan for the future. Um, so it allows us to incorporate additional services and, you know, better, uh, better layers of uh, those services uh, in our plans. That's what it's one of the things I love about doing this and going through these on a weekly basis with yeah. you. But this one, Azure NetApp files, the, the monitoring of the bandwidth, managing the bandwidth and uh, kind of working uh, between bandwidth and capacity. Uh, that's going to be a big change uh, for NetFiles users in Azure. And that's going to be really cool. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, Azure DAV4 series VMs are, availab are available in Azure AD Insights. So again, AMD is getting really into this. Uh, you have a new series of VMs that now is available on the HD inside clusters. Okay, if you are using, uh, this is pretty good because this particular VM of this particular series, you have up to 96 vCPUs with 384 gigs of RAM. It's almost that I have on my laptop. Okay, almost. Okay, and two. 1,400 gigabytes of SSD as a temporary storage. Yeah, so there are there are some things to think about here. Absolutely. And, uh, there's a link at the bottom of this for pricing. Uh, I'm going to say don't click on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Just for your insanity, so, right? <laughs> uh, we don't want to give everybody a bit of a heart attack in this case, right? Exactly. <laughs> so when when we think about these big systems, um, they're not cheap. When you buy these and put them in your own data center, uh, these are darned expensive, right? Yes. So if you're using a DAV4 series, 96 virtual CPUs, 384 gigs of RAM, almost as powerful as your magic laptop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when when we when uh, if I look in the pricing page, just as an example, if you're using HD Insight with an operating system that you're uh, purchasing as part of your VM, so not bringing your own, uh, in that case you would pay roughly uh, like five seventy five Canadian to six fifty Canadian per hour, depending on your uh, the way that you uh, deploy and the way that you pay. So uh, it's not a cheap uh, VM. Uh, that's per hour. I think I don't. Not, I did not. I didn't remember if I said that. So uh, when you're running these workloads, um, clearly they're very processor and memory intensive with HD Insight, and uh, as is typical with larger data sets, right? So 
uh, really cool that we're starting to see AMD coming back yeah. um, in Azure again. Uh, I'm excited about that because it keeps things competitive. And I really like when uh, we kind of see the, the processor companies kind of working to lower all the prices, uh, all those things, right? So it's, it's really important because it helps to give us as users of Azure uh, better pricing and in the process they keep advancing and giving us faster processors so uh gotta like that absolutely moving on to the next one and this is a particular one good for us canadians as well uh azure purview avail available in a public preview in south central us and can canada central so azure mm -hmm. purview available in public preview um yeah i have to think yeah. twice before so i say it, it. it was interesting i read a tweet this week from uh you'll know him and you know that i've watched his training for many years as well as yours from back in uh, the uh, the old tech days here but uh tim warner he tweeted this week and said microsoft what are you thinking with the naming preview of purview <laughs> <laughs> I think we did make a joke about yes, this. Yes, we did. And I want to say a couple months ago, I'm not, my memory is funny that way, but a while ago. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, it's preview now. So it's it's great to see it that we the Canadian regions are um, are able to uh, to achieve this. So uh, it's a great a great service uh, and please uh, just use it and just to see it that uh, even on the on the Canada uh, Central uh, region, we have that available. It's really great. Moving on to the next one, um, general availability for Azure Red Hat OpenShift now supports OpenShift 4.6, and and this is just a horrible mention. It's not because I'm using a lot of the Red Hat OpenShift, but I think it's important because it's a GA of a product that I think we mentioned over here at, at, at the, yeah. at our podcast and now supports the OpenShift 4.6. So our friends that they're using, uh, the OpenShift, they will be really happy to see the improvements regarding the integration Absolutely. and with Red Hat uh, Core OS, right? Exactly. Yeah. And of course, OpenShift is uh, Red Hat's uh, answer to containerization. So again, we're not uh, too heavy on the dev in uh, our podcast, but uh, it is important to mention some of these yeah, things it is. because uh, we do deploy a lot of things in containers now and uh, it allows for a lot more, what's the word I'm looking for? Responsive change in infrastructure, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So if we have a need to grow or shrink or even uh, deploy with a small change uh, in prod and we need to make parallel systems, we can do this more easily with containerization. Absolutely. And uh, after all, Azure is really all about containerization. It is. When we think about it, it right? So uh, it's, a, it's a very uh, popular system with large enterprise as well and big dev departments, custom apps. Um, so yeah, without dwelling on it too much, really cool that it's made it into GA already. I think we only mentioned it a few weeks ago that it was in yes. preview. So very rapid cycle. Yeah, absolutely. One. Moving to the next one, Azure Front Door Standard and Premium now in public preview, uh, which is mm -hmm. really good 
because Azure front door is is the way that you can have the uh, CDN that is the and mm -hmm. help me here it's the uh, content deliver network if I'm not mistaken yeah um, you that you it. can have on the secure cloud in this case, right? So allows you to just all the cybersecurity teams, they can accelerate that content delivery uh, while they are protecting their apps, APIs and everything. And now both uh, the standard and premium, it's now on public preview, which is awesome. Yeah, it is, a, it is actually a big development. Um, and like you said, content delivery networks, CDNs, um, allows us to put uh, kind of region-specific uh, delivery servers for images, videos, whatever the content is, doesn't matter. It allows faster geographical delivery. So this yes. is one of those things that combines better user experience, yeah. more responsive user experience, Absolutely. and increases security because front door is just that. It's a front door, right? So exactly. it's like a layer seven uh, filtering capability um, so the, there's some really cool stuff with it. So if you're interested in front door, um, you know, we encourage you, uh, go take a look at Azure, uh, Microsoft learn, I think actually has a module on front door as well. Uh, if I'm remembering that one, right. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. And, and the good thing about this is even on, on the premium. Okay. They already announced that they will have WAF. Okay. Integration with Azure front door standards and premium SKUs. So, they are announcing the product, okay, the standard and premium, but they are saying, okay, we are announcing the product, but we are also announcing that is going to be integrating with WAF, the Web Application Firewall, which is massively custom, custom WAF rules. Yeah. yeah. So now you can have custom WAF rules into this, right? So it's pretty sweet that they make kind of two announcements. So that's why we are talking about those very quickly and, and almost integrating into both because Azure front well, they're very tight they are uh, intertwined in this case completely right? yeah. completely and that's and that's the yeah, part so, of yeah, that it's really good this security week this week isn't it it is yeah. a security weekend continuing talking about WAF or in this case Azure front door the next update is a GA the yeah the third one about Azure front door is the WAF for Azure front door is managed by a rule set refresh and this is mm -hmm. this is ga so they are announcing in this case the standard and the premium SKU, but azure front door that you have already now they have a new rule set that is 1.1 okay uh, that adds new rules to a broader coverage uh, and modification of existing rules to reduce false positives so besides they are already saying that they're going to a new SKUs with the new functionalities, they already update the new rules that they already have deployed. Pretty good week for so Azure Frontier. So we don't usually run through uh, any how-tos on here, but uh, just bear with me. Can you click the link that says tutorial? Absolutely. Uh, because I want to share with our viewers at least, and if you're listening, um, jump to Azure Track's uh, YouTube channel to check out the video because uh, this one might be worth it for you. Now, from that link, it takes you right to the bottom for the default rule yeah. set, which is what we're talking about in this update. We can refresh this rule set 
uh, a little bit uh, dynamically, yeah. right? But if you actually scroll up uh, from that, you can see how easy it is to actually create a custom rule for a web application firewall. So this isn't rocket science. And I just, I wanted to just uh, share it because uh, I'm not a security expert by any means, but as you know, we have to work a lot with security. And I think there's some value in getting people excited about that too, from an infrastructure standpoint uh, that we're kind of talking about here on Security Week Special with Azure Weekly News. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, um, and that's a very good point uh, uh, that you mentioned. Moving to the last one, uh, email one-time passcode authentication on uh, on by default starting on October 21. Uh, this is pretty cool for um, Active Directory. This is something that we were kind of uh, looking for to become more a default method uh, and inviting all the accounts on the business to business, okay, collaboration scenarios to have this authentication. It's not related to Azure, but it's something that we were so excited to see it. And we were discussing this Absolutely. before that we want to put this over here because it's massively. Yeah, this one's a big deal. Yeah, because as you know, I'm, I get very passionate about uh, Active Directory and Azure Active Directory, um, mostly because that's what uh, I spend a lot of time actually hands-on doing with my clients. And uh, it is a really critical component in our hybrid world that we live in with a lot of on-prem and distributed cloud resources. So uh, when uh, I wanna say in 365 about uh, last summer, so summer of 2020, I think it was, uh, became available and I probably have the season even wrong, but that's okay, I'm trying to generalize. Uh, in uh, Microsoft 365, Microsoft Office 365, uh, we saw guest accounts that we could uh, flip the toggle like on this one and say require a one-time passcode validation through email for guest invitations. And this is the equivalent for the Azure B2B yeah. services, right? Um, this is huge. And uh, the I think the M365 one might even still be tagged as in preview. Um, I think it's like one of those beta things that just like sits in beta forever and everybody... <laughs> It's like almost like, a, I think it's not like years. I remember when I opened, for example, my account on Gmail um, on the like 15 or 20 years ago, whatever was it, it was for like more than a decade on beta, uh, on beta in this case. And, and it was like, oh my God, it, it took like 10 years or more than that just developing Gmail. Uh, it But yeah, it's those kind of things that, they are constantly moving, constantly testing. So they just put, because of those things that you learn regarding change management, right? You cannot deploy exactly. until you have the yeah. signature. Just call it beta <laughs> and then we avoid all those problems. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh boy, that was a hard lesson. Let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you that, that young lady was not a happy No, person. it was uh, not. Man, I remember but that. But that's okay. Mr. Lowe's. Mr. We need to talk. Exactly. And <laughs> when they come with that, Mr. Lowe's, we need to talk. It's like, oh, man, 
what I did this time. <laughs> oh, it, it makes me think of, and uh, mom, if you're watching, uh, I don't think my mom watches because this would be so boring for her. <laughs> but, but uh, oh, yes, if you get all three names called, uh, let me tell you, you're, you, are you might trouble. as well just sit down now exactly. because it's going to take a minute. <laughs> <laughs> a minute? Uh, that's that's going to be fast. I'm trying to be respectful. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I understand. It's a minute on mom's time. It's a minute of mom time. It's like, uh, you know, two minutes of IT time, right? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you remember? Uh, I want to just call out our IT time here briefly. And I, I know I always run these things long, but you know what? It's a topical conversation because um, when we started our idea for let's record when uh, we're talking about some Azure news, because yeah. this, this is really just, you know, you and I recording what we talk about anyways. <laughs> but uh, we said, you know what, let's target like 15, maybe 30 minutes if we have more updates and we want to go in depth. I don't think we've had one under 50 minutes. Um, I mean, you do, you take care of the editing, so I don't know the answer to I that. I don't but, remember on top uh, of my head, but yeah. But this one is a long one, so we have to, we have to, to continuing. We did have lots yeah, of we did have lots again. of updates. Yeah, and so I will, I will move this forwards from my own diversion of conversation <laughs> here, and say thank you so much for listening to the bitter end, and uh, we really do appreciate everybody that tunes in uh, weekly or biweekly, whatever your cadence is, uh, watching our video giving us a listen on uh, things like SoundCloud or uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Spotify. Um, Marcos, Marco, yes, Spotify. Marcos does an amazing job of producing this podcast uh, for the both of us together. And uh, I just want to say thank you, Marcos, for doing You're all of the hard work behind the scenes. It's not easy to pull it off. We have mic issues. We have... Uh, audio problems, video problems, recording hiccups, and uh, that doesn't even account for my family and my dogs. Yeah, barking. exactly. So, <laughs> and I have two dogs over here as well that they they are required my attention exactly. right now. So, so yeah, but yeah. So, like you said, thank you so much. Um, if you want to help us out, don't forget to subscribe and uh, don't forget to uh, put the bell or the notifications. So you can see it mm -hmm. when we release the podcast. We will have some uh, in these, let's say, upcoming um, episodes. We will try to do something new, try to do a live show. So if you want to participate, let us know in advance. Uh, we are not doing like next week. We will do it in the, in the next weeks, in a few weeks ahead. But try to do that. Try to enter in contact with us and we'll put and we will participate on this podcast as well. So once again, thank you. Uh, I hope I can see you next week and have a great week, my friends. And don't forget, Azure is awesome.